You're tuning, You're tuning in. in. TBD. 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 Into TBD. TBD. To be discussed. To be discussed. To be discussed. To be discussed. Welcome back to the podcast. And it's your host, May Wu. And I have here a very OG and special guest. Can you introduce yourself? Tell us where you're from. How old are you? Just kind of things about you. Sure. So my name is Humberto Gomez. Uh, most of my friends know me as Hummer. Um, I'm from Portland. Been here uh, 25 years now. I was born in San Diego, but my parents, you know, moved north uh, in 93, 94, and so I've been here ever since. Yeah. And where are your parents from? So my parents are from Mexico, um, the state of Oaxaca. And so when did your parents move? to the U.S. How old were they? Uh, so my mom moved to the States when she was 15, and my dad moved shortly after, but he was a little bit older. He's probably like four years older than her, um, and she had me a couple years later. Yeah. So she did she go to high school here at all? Yeah. So she went to Carlsbad High School, uh, which is down near Oceanside, California, um, about 30 miles north of uh, San Diego. Um, yeah, she actually ran track there for, you know, that's actually, she ran track there and that's how she found out she was pregnant with me because she was doing some, some relay race <laughs> and like collapsed. She like fainted on the track. Oh my God. And, you know, then she realized she was pregnant with me. Yeah. Wait, how old was she? How old was she when she was pregnant? Uh, 16. Oh, okay. Oh, so she moved to the States when she was 15 mm-hmm. and then your dad just spotted her and was like. Yeah. She the one. <laughs> so they're actually from the same town back home. Oh, so okay. she moved here because my grandpa, it was a part of the Braceros program. And so he's been traveling to and from the States, um, you know, with permission for, for years. Um, and so one of those trips, my mom decided to tag along with him. And so, um, well, she, she settled down here and then my, my dad shortly came after. Oh, so she was already dating your dad. Or not they, necessarily. They knew of each other. Oh, I see. I wouldn't okay. say that they were like you know acquaintances. Right, right. Yeah, I mean the town is super small. Um, mm-hmm. You know, everybody knows somebody that knows each other, and so yeah. I had no idea. Like I feel like we've known each other since uh, like high school, and mm-hmm. we went to college together. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've never known that your mom ran track, yeah. and that your mom got pregnant. Like at yeah. she was like a teen mom yep yep yeah super young um she likes to joke around that like that's why i have such an affinity with track and field is because of that instance and how she <laughs> found out that she was pregnant with me was she happy that you were interested in doing track uh i don't know if happy i was like it's one of those things like so i'm the oldest of three mm-hmm. and i'm 10 years older than the than my younger brother and so for me i was kind of like we like to joke around that i was the experiment <laughs> so like with anything, whether it was school-related, after school, um, extracurricular things, like, they didn't know what to expect or what their role was. Mm-hmm. Um, they knew that if it was related with school, it was cool. But, like, my parents weren't the ones that were showing up to every game, every track meet or whatever. And it's not because they didn't support what I did. It's just, like, it had to work. So, right. like, for me, you know, I don't know. Like, my mom wasn't like, oh, yeah, you're doing track. It's like, oh, that's cool. Like... And then we keep move yourself on. busy. <laughs> exactly, like stay out of trouble, yeah. go to school. Right. Yeah. So. So when we talk about when you just talked about being like the oldest in your family, and both your parents are immigrants, or are immigrants mm-hmm. 
did you feel like you had a lot more responsibility because you're the oldest and that your parents didn't really know how to navigate being in the U.S.? Sure. Um, I'd say yeah. Uh, but I think I didn't really have any responsibilities placed on me until my younger brother was born. So yeah. I was a single child for like nine years. Mm-hmm. So like single child, firstborn, male, right? And coming from a, a Latin culture where like, you know, just if you're the male, right, you're just kind of like appraised a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, you know. And so I had nine years of that. So like I was happy-go-lucky. I had everything <laughs> going for me, you know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I had like wine here and there. I'm like, oh, you know, I wish I had older sibling because I have nobody to play with. Mm-hmm. Those were like my biggest adversities at that time, right? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't until so I'm 10, my brother, my, my mom becomes pregnant with my brother. I'm kind of like helping around because, you know, my dad's the only one working at the time. And after he's born, it was like my responsibility just went from zero to 100 real quick because it's like, okay, my mom's good to go work. My dad has good to go work. My brother's a couple years old. I'm like transitioning into middle school and I'm going. So I live in North Portland. I've been here since we moved, you know, from Cali. We've been um, different areas around North Portland, but my middle school is in Southeast Portland. So that's like an hour across town across town so it's like an hour hour and a half on the bus right public transportation getting there and back and as soon as i come back it's like okay i have to look after my sibling because my mom has to go do this graveyard shift or something Mm -hmm. you know my dad has to rest up because he had work next morning so it's like coming home it was like you know coming home to have take care of this kid and then a year later, my sister's born. <laughs> so it wasn't <laughs> like, all right, he's ready, but no. Right, right, right. So it was like, probably like, I would say seventh grade to about my junior year in high school. Like, those years were very much like catered to like helping my parents raise my younger siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever I could. Like, um, I think one of the things that like I held, I wouldn't say like it wasn't a grudge, but one of the things that I like felt like I really missed out on was like, on weekends with like my friends that would hang out like something so simple that it's like it wasn't it's not really a big deal Mm -hmm. but like the fact that there was really no rarely would I get the opportunity to be like yes I can go Mm -hmm. like I wouldn't even contemplate like oh maybe my parents no it's like yeah I can go like I got things to do you know so with that that kind of makes me think of like because my parents you know had a a restaurant when I was Uh, I think starting uh, end of seventh grade my parents bought a restaurant, which is like really amazing because they saved up a ton of money to be able to to be able to start a restaurant. But I remember I worked all throughout high school and I never went to a single football game. And I remember like feeling so left out because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't even know what a high school football game is like because right. I've never been to one. Right. But it's like it just like that little piece. There was a little bit of grudge at the time because mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. definitely was upset. But yeah. now I kind of like. You know, it is what it is. And plus, because they were able to, like, because I was able to help out and they had a restaurant, it helped our family out tremendously. Whereas if we didn't have the restaurant, we would be still working for other people and not really building the wealth and, like, the happiness that they have today. Right. And I think that's kind of like the, you know, as it all comes to perspective, right? When you're young and you're in the moment and you're like dang like I'm really missing out on this you know just like the I mean I think the idea of FOMO came later but you know that's just essentially what we're going through right we're like damn 
you know, I should have been there, this happened, blah, blah, yeah. blah, and you're just kind of like, yeah, that's cool, like, I was taking care of responsibilities, <laughs> yeah. like, exactly, yeah. but I think, I mean, it's something that kind of carries on till now, like, now that in our adulthood, young adulthood, it's like, I don't feel bad if I don't go out, like, a weekend, like, mm-hmm. I don't, there's, you know, there's always next weekend, like, I think there was a moment in time, like, early on in college, where it's like, damn if i'm if i'm not out like friday through or like thursday through saturday like doing something like what am i doing Mm -hmm. it's like there's plenty other stuff i could have been doing and like you look back how much did those nights really contribute to my success i don't think they did so it's like you know missing like staying in taking care of what you need to take care of going to work or whatever it is you have going on for you uh versus stepping out like i think it's like much more beneficial for you long term yeah um, than we'd really acknowledge in the moment and you probably got to see your brother and your sister really grow and be able to be like a great human because of your contribution to taking care of them too. So that's like, you know, yeah, like you said, you don't really see the greatness of, maybe you don't see like the benefits of going out, but then you know there's benefits of you helping your parents out and right. with yeah. your siblings and you built that bond with them. Yeah. Yeah, but it's funny because it's like I always tease them. It was like you know, like I used to change your guys' diapers, like you know, like like you know, whenever we bicker with each other, you know, just sibling stuff. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a broken record to them. But I feel like I did a lot for you guys. You guys really don't know it because you guys don't remember. Yeah. And so it's just like, but now it's um, it's pretty interesting because they're both, in like jun- they're both in high school and they're junior senior years, and so now it's like. I'm not so much physically doing stuff for them, but it's just, like, words of wisdom. Like, mm-hmm. hey, like, you know, being a first-generation student, like, I had to jump through these hoops to get to school, mm-hmm. and I really didn't have anyone there. And it's, one is because I didn't have a connection, really, with any one of my, like, you know, I've seen any adult in my life that, like, had gone through what I was trying to do because no one in my family had done it. Mm-hmm. And two, I wasn't that well-versed in looking out and seeking for resources. Yeah. So it's, like those two things didn't help me. Like, if it wasn't for our, you know, our English teacher, Miss Wong, shout out Miss Wong, uh, AP English class our senior year, I wouldn't have applied to college. Like, she made that a part of our curriculum. It was like, you need to apply to a school Mm -hmm. in order to pass this class. Yeah. So, like, for me, like, during high school, my only goal was to graduate high school, Mm -hmm. right? My mom had done it. She had done it. She Mm -hmm. graduated from Jeff, which is, like, up the street. So, you know... Um, she was able to do that not knowing the language coming from another country or whatever and like maintaining a pretty decent GPA to graduate from high school yeah so for her she was like you don't have any excuse right born here you know the language you know the culture this that and the other it's like you have to graduate Mm -hmm. okay so then Miss Wong's like okay the only class I needed to pass senior year was English Mm -hmm. and she's like okay if you don't apply to a school you're not passing my class in my head I'm like if I don't past this course i'm not graduating right therefore my mom's gonna have <laughs> go to you the know, library and apply to u of o where i ended right. up you know getting a partial full ride scholarship to go there mm-hmm. but had it not been for miss wong i probably wouldn't have applied and shout knows? out miss wong <laughs> so who, who knows what <laughs> would have transpired the years after but like that's crazy that you know that was like the story of how it like came to be that you went to u of o mm-hmm. and just even thinking about um when you said didn't see your life like kind of past high school or like your goal was just to graduate high school to me i was like oh my goal is to graduate high school and i'm like i guess i'm supposed to apply for these colleges but i don't know what like my idea of college was like a blank it was like american pie like that was (laughs) my (laughs) right yeah yeah 
Like, that was, like, whatever the movies or TV shows of what college was like was what was in my head because I had nobody that had been through it to talk me through it. Nobody has, like, kind of shown that path. So, to me, it was kind of just, like, so far away. Yeah. No, I told, like, yeah, my, like... To, to tell you, like, to kind of put into perspective perspective how far, like, or I guess my misunderstanding of college or just cluelessness around <laughs> college when I was growing up, like, you know, me me and my buddies would get together, like, uh, w- like for sure once every year to watch, like, the Civil War, mm-hmm. right? The U of O, OSU game um, during the football season. And, like, for me, like, I always thought those were professional teams. I had no idea that they were connected to a college. Just so oblivious to, like, the reality of what that was. and Yeah, and especially, like, <laughs> University of Oregon is such a football school, too. Yeah, so once yeah. you go there, it's just, like, sports and then football all in your face. Right, right. And it's just, like, you know, every everywhere you go, like, somebody has, like, an O or, you know, an OS, like, tagged on their car. Well, like Kind of back on when you were talking about responsibilities, did you feel like you had to grow up a bit faster than maybe some of your peers? I mean, yeah, because I think, you know, in my eyes, I became a father at 10 years old, 11 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, that yeah. was like my trial run at mm-hmm. parenthood. If mm-hmm. you if you live in this country, like somebody's taking care of that, right? Whether it's mom or dad, some somebody's doing that. Yeah. But it's usually an adult that's doing that. Right, yeah. So for me, it was kind of like, yeah, I had to grow quick because it's like, okay, like I have to manage my time a lot better than most of these kids because I have my own homework. I'm still in school. Yeah. I have to do things. And, like, if I don't do things, I'm going to get in trouble. So it's just, like, I felt like I had to be preventative as possible to, like, make sure, like, just, like, a lot of attention to detail mm-hmm. um, at a young age, too, because it's, like, if I don't get these things done for my siblings and they're not prepared for the next day, they're going to get in trouble. Then I'll like, you know, I have no other option but to be responsible. <laughs> right. That's yeah. true. Because even thinking about my older brother, if we got in trouble, it would somehow relay back to mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Or And then like eventually we all became like a unit, like the siblings. It's like right. if one of us got in trouble, like everybody right. was at fault. Definitely. Like, and, and that's kind of where I find myself now. Because, you know, like after um, this past this past summer so last summer i was in uh, yucatan doing some service work um, and i was gone for like three or four months so when i came back home since the moment i moved out in college like she was like been super sad and just like i want you to come home like there's no reason that you shouldn't be home um and again it's like a cultural thing right it's like you know for for, i feel like for like latin culture um and asian community as well like you guys don't really there's no time limit on when you need to go Mm -hmm. the house it's not like you're 18 and you're out yeah. you know like it's it, they would prefer for you to stay forever <laughs> exactly you know in some cases until you're married and it's yeah. just like well how am i gonna go get married if i can't go out and actually date people or have my own place and like you know like yeah i don't understand the logic behind that <laughs> but anyways so i'm like let me come back home i'm gonna stay home for a few months i'm the one that's mediating so mm, it's like yeah mom and dad have an issue with something that my little brother or sister did it's like okay i have to go talk to them it's Perfect. constant like kind of being the middleman of everything you're kind of like balancing two worlds like you're yeah. balancing like your parents like latin culture and then mm-hmm. you're balancing your your siblings like america like latino american culture right yeah and it's like you know and, and for her like i can just almost feel like the restlessness that she has like being a young woman who is very strong-minded who is very outspoken who is very i think well aware of of who she is as a person and 
what's right from wrong in in her book like mm-hmm. i totally understand her but it's just like Cassie, your yeah, 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 almost yeah. like a tenacity that she has at her age like um i, I could only imagine where i'd be now because mm-hmm. i feel like at her age i was kind of i'm still kind of like low-key very shy like mm-hmm. i had my interests i knew what i liked but mm-hmm. to share it with other people it was kind of like mm, like that fine line of like you know being able to be all those things while still respecting your elders and not being disrespectful towards like their reality right mm-hmm. when you talk about like how our parents grew up like for my dad like if you're not up early in the morning working doing something like you're wasting your day mm-hmm. right but it's like that doesn't really translate to this culture because like we're not living off the land like you were back home yeah it's like over there they have you know they have their their livestock they have you know their crops they have they, that for them like that's what their life was growing up. we don't do that here yeah so it's like yeah you can go wake up in the morning and do work around the house but that's not going to translate to money to money right so so you got to go get a job Mm -hmm. and so yeah that's always kind of interesting because like who what 15 16 year old kid doesn't want to sleep in on a saturday right right it's just kind of like a normal thing they're not going to go out and take the cows down to the river to go get some water (laughs) like what are they going to go do you kind of hold some of your parents is like burden and responsibility or at least understand it um and i remember in college there was a class that i took and talked about generational trauma Mm -hmm. and you as like a child of an immigrant or someone who's been through trauma uh kind of like hold that as a responsibility and you know and you understand their trauma and you kind of take it with you Mm -hmm. in the way you move in life and i was kind of thinking about that too and i Mm -hmm. feel like as an adult, I have to kind of, like, unlearn some of the things that, like, my parents have, like, fears of. Right. I have to be like, that. those aren't my fears. They shouldn't mm. be my fears anymore because we're past that. Right. Um, so do you feel like there's some of that that you have? To go back to what you were saying about, like, kind of being able to understand my parents a little bit more than my siblings, mm-hmm. I think that just has to do with, like, our, our difference in age, you know? Like, I'm 10, like I said, 10 years older, so it's like... I spent 10 more years with my parents than they did. Mm, Their struggles more so than they did, Mm -hmm. you know? When we're talking about, like, jumping around from house to house because we couldn't find a place to settle down, you know? Like, it wasn't until, like, my dad's supervisor, like, gave us a place to live in, which was, like, either his property or he had some connections to the people who owned that property Mm -hmm. that, like, gave us a low enough rent for us to live there. Yeah, Yeah. So it's just, like, all these little things of, like, not really having a place to even live like they never experienced that like mm-hmm. as, as, as far as they've been alive like as long as they've been alive they've had somewhere to live yeah. you know yeah. and my dad his his work has always been consistent but it's like hard laboring you know yeah. it went from landscaping to then doing more like uh he has like a he's like a contractor now so he does landscaping but on like bigger uh, like companies hire him so mm-hmm. he's like his own business now so his work has always been consistent but it's also seasonal mm-hmm. my mom's been in retail since i can remember started off in in toys r us and did some stuff with gap what's at nordstrom's like all these different companies but because of her like immigration status mm-hmm. there was always like a ceiling that she couldn't move further than regardless of how knowledgeable she was in her position like how great she was at her position it was just like you're capped at here and you can't go further than that Mm -hmm. so it's just like like, generational traumas 
I'm not quite sure, but I think just like the constant need for my dad, especially, is like the need to work. Mm-hmm. Like you need to work to get stuff. Like, yeah. And it's like, like if you don't work, you're not going to survive. Right. And it's just like, and and for me, it's kind of it's kind of tough because I totally understand what he's saying, mm-hmm. but also you know being educated in this country, it's like you need to work smarter. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So like that, my dad, I, I would say that's like his biggest trauma, right? Yeah. And I think just kind of my biggest frustration with him is like. He believes everything on TV. Uh, so it's yeah. like, when I come home, he's watching the news, right? <laughs> and I'm like, but what are you watching? Like, like, wh- like, like yeah. my mom would, like, make it look like she was taking them to school and, like, drop them off at a bus stop and then they would go to school uh-huh. because my dad is, like, so fearful of, like, public transportation and, Why? like, things that will happen because, you know, something's going to happen to you if you, you use public transportation. Really? Yeah. I feel like and we so, have, use so much public we transportation. We use it all the time. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. So it's just like... <laughs> Like, the likelihood of something happened, happening to you is, like, so low. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like... But he has that fear of... He has that fear, and he will not, like, let that go for whatever reason. I'm, yeah. It, 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 like, makes me think, like, what happened to you, like, when you caught the bus one day, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, I guess the luxury of driving your own car is that nobody's going to bug you, for the mm-hmm. most part, right? Yeah. You get in your car, you go... Unless you get pulled over, but... By your way, you know, no. public transportation, you're exposed to everyone. Yeah. You know? If you're caught saying something in English that doesn't really qu- quite sound like English. Like, um, it was a few, it wasn't a few years ago we were growing up, but probably like a couple years um, after we've moved into this neighborhood, uh, there was like a huge construction going on in the Ville, which is like, um, you know, a couple blocks away from here, but it's essentially like government housing, but they had a whole like remodel of the area. So the bus route had to change. Mm-hmm. And so my grandma was at the time visiting us um, and she was waiting at the bus stop. And while she was there, I guess one of the neighbors who we know, like I was friends with her kid mm-hmm. was like upset that she was like standing at the bus stop and like came out and was like, like, what are you doing here? Like, like you need to like get off my property. Like da, da, da. just like, going off and i think she wasn't aware that the bus route had changed and that it was temporarily in front of her house oh and so she was just kind of like you know like who is this lady who's just standing on my yard and anyways it was this whole deal and i think that also contributed to to it too like my dad's like i don't want any of my kids to like go through similar situations so we'll take you wherever you need to go with my mom i can't say that there's a lot of them um she has been She's very open in perspective. 100%. She is very open-minded to, mm-hmm. you know, to really anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that also has to do with, like, who she was around when she first came in. Like, first came to the States. First came to the city of Portland, mm-hmm. right? She was 17 when she got here. Um, one of her best friends, um, who she got along really long with, it's funny because they had this deal of like, all right, I'm going to teach you English and you're going to teach me Spanish. Oh, okay. My mom ended up learning English, but her friend never, <laughs> never ended up learning yeah. Spanish. But anyways, it's the, uh, this family has like a very strong connection to mine because her mom at the time was like a single mother, um, a lesbian woman, um, and, you know, raising uh, mixed children, right? Because mm-hmm. the, her friends were mixed, they're white and black. And so like you have this lady from the states with this again open-minded perspective who's just like around my mom who's a sponge and is soaking all this stuff up right yeah so very early on my mom's like getting educated on like identity all this conversation and breaking that, norms that it, she it, exactly had in that her mind. normal traditional females back home when i say home i mean mexico it's like you're not getting exposed to that mm-hmm. right you're taught and 
you know, like you're going to be a domestic person. You're going to cook, you're going to clean, you're going to do whatever you can to make your husband happy. You're going to have kids and you're going to take care of those kids. Kind of eager and curious Mm -hmm. and like wanting to learn stuff. And that's why she was so adamant about school. It's like, you need to go to school so you can go and learn something else other than what you're learning here. Yeah. Because... If you stay, she if, wants you to see more. One hundred percent. Because if you stay here, you're only gonna do what you see. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's like get out and if you want to. If you want to consider it a trauma, you know that kind of like the need to be educated it would mm-hmm. be my mom's. Like yeah, it's like that didn't those those things didn't really click for me until you know we got into our program and we started talking about because you know we both studied family and human services at the University of Oregon mm-hmm. and just like every class was like peeling back layers of like wow, like I'm really connecting the dots about my family and why they do, like why they are the way they are. Like a lot of that really resonates with me just Mm because like my mom has like this weird, she has a lot of irrational fears, Mm -hmm. but she like won't let me go bowling Mm -hmm. because she thinks that like if you go bowling, there's like for some reason in her mind, like maybe she's experienced this or heard about this on the news, but Mm -hmm. she's like someone's going to like bet on you to bowl and then you're going to be taken. And it's just like, what? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, of course that's like so outlandish and kind of just like not going to happen. But she gets into like these different fears. And I realized when I got older is that she has a ton of fears and she didn't want us to do all these things that could put us in danger mm-hmm. because she doesn't know how to navigate this system. Right. And she doesn't know how to speak the language. Right. So if something happens to one of her kids, mm-hmm. she can't do her mom thing and protect her children because right. she doesn't even know where to go or what to do if something happens to us. Right. So now I like understand why she has so many fears and she's just like a very uh, like anxious person. Mm -hmm. So like Mm -hmm. on top of that, I think it just like, she had to be so stressed about everything because she doesn't know what to do if something were to happen to like one of her children. Yeah. And like, it's, it's tough because you don't really like when you're young, you don't really understand that anxiety that your parents have. Cause like my sister's favorite line is chill out. (laughs) <laughs> like it's not that serious. I can see her saying like that. she just like like mom like chill out like it's not that but like you know to us again it's a different perspective like you know here's all the things that could go wrong <laughs> and my yeah. sister's just like I'm just going to Dutch Bros to go get you know something like <laughs> yeah. like to, and your sister's mind like that's super safe like nothing's gonna right, go wrong right. and your mom's thinking of like a million other things that could yeah, happen yeah, to her yeah definitely so yeah but in terms of trauma, I'd say those are, like, the biggest ones for each one of my parents. Um, and I think in the ways that they've affected me, I would probably say, like, this constant need of doing something. Mm-hmm. Whether my dad, I know what he, like, it's work. And for me, it's also work, but it's just, like, busy work. Like, you know, I, like, just kind of, like, trying to... Um, so recently, you know, I stepped away from from my career and... And social services mm-hmm. um spent a long time working with like you know underserved youth and like trying to you know like show them that you have options regardless yeah, of empower where them yeah, yeah regardless of where your starting point is in this race like you you can finish it and mm-hmm. you can get to where you want to be it's just going to be you know a little bit difficult than than the average route right. uh so anyway, so, but when I stepped away and I had all this free time on my hands, I'm just like, what am I doing? <laughs> it's just like, so I'm so used to like, you know, 
I had my full time and then I had a part time at a couple up a couple other places and it was like okay go to work do my thing with the kids and then it's just like all right you know, I got a part time gig at this retail store I'm gonna be here and so I'm like in my head I'm like I'm always grinding always doing something right yeah and so but like at the same at the same time like because I was so busy with those other things like my my passions and the things that I really want to do like just got neglected. So it's like, you know, me and a really close buddy of mine, um, you know, we wanted to start this clothing brand and we had like everything kind of set up to like really embark in this journey, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're going to, you know, quit our jobs type thing. We're going to go do this thing and it's going to go off and running, right? And we got our samples of our t-shirts. I mean, we we did the whole nine and we're like promoting it. And then after that, we just like never released anything just because... I was so busy with what I was doing and, you know, the million different things that I was doing. And because he's also a workaholic. And Mm -hmm. so, and then you add on that he recently just had his first child. And Mm -hmm. so just like life is like almost impeding us from like doing what we want to do. But it's also like, how do we kind of, you know, take initiative to be like, okay, like I need to make time for these things. Like dial back and right. think about your passion. Exactly. Because like for me, for the longest time, like if it's like, if I'm not working, you know, 60 to 80 hours a week, like I'm wasting my time. Mm-hmm. But it's just like those things drain you so much from like the energy that you could be putting into something that you actually love. And so it's just like, you know, if not now, when type thing. You yeah. Know? So. Yeah, so I'd, I'd, I'd say that's how, like, my dad's trauma, and then the way that my mom's trauma of, like, just wanting to learn, like, I want to learn everything under the sun, right? If we were talking about, like, languages, like, right now I'm, like, you know, I'm, like, hell-bent on, like, learning Japanese, but then at the same time I'm just like, well, I speak Spanish, um, like, romance languages would be easier for me, so, mm-hmm. like, and then I'd, like, switch over to Italian. And then, you know, like, I have a lot of friends in, like, the Asian community. So, like, Vietnamese would be super cool to learn. And so I'm just kind of, like, things just draw my attention. And I'm, like, never able to just, like, focus, sit down and, like, focus on one thing and really master it and then move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. It's, like, as things come, I want to indulge in that one thing. Yeah. And then until the next thing that catches my eye kind of you know, comes in. Right. So, yeah. So, like, it sounds like both your parents... Uh, didn't really spend most of their life, I mean, no, most of their, like, young life here. So who did you kind of look to for support and, um, like, as a role model or someone that you can ask questions about that are mm-hmm. maybe related to the American culture that you were growing up in? So, I mean, er, like, Riff, where being, like, all the way 100, like, really early on, it was, like, my older cousin um, who really, like taught me whether about american culture or like subcultures because like um so like when i told you like the first house we ever came into was my uh was my uncle's house my my mom's brother uh they lived in st john's and um we we grew up there mm-hmm. um and i spent a lot of time with my older cousin he's about the the age gap between me and my siblings is about similar to me and him mm-hmm. so when i'm you know in elementary school he's probably in high school yeah um you know just like the all-american jock pretty much yeah you know and he's white so like my my uncle had married into a family that like you know my aunt she had already had two kids with somebody else Mm -hmm. so here i am like you know this this kid of 
immigrant parents recently came up from Cali going into like an all-American household um, in one of the most like at the time like certain parts of like of North Portland are like just black and Latino mm-hmm. uh, and so it's just like and this is this mixture of like cultures and identities right so my cousin he's like you know varsity football player like all state wrestler like he just you know he's he's you know to me i idolize him because i'm like dude this guy's great he's awesome um he was like into the tuning scene with cars so like he always had a nice car and like i was always just like kind of in the passenger seat just kind of like riding around with my cousin and yeah. so like you know this is a when guy. you're a kid you just feel super cool <laughs> 100 percent. and it was just like you know like that was like my my role model at the time you know it's like you know being into sports he's the one who like taught me how to play basketball like he was a very big influence in my life um very early on and so i would say but then you know moving forward like he got he got injured so like all of the stuff that he had going for him in terms of like sports to like go to school like that was kind of over because he was kind of relying on like all right i'm gonna you know go to school for these sports and then you know boom out from there so he got hurt and so from after that point it was kind of like i don't really have anyone that mm-hmm. like could like really i don't know like give me those words of advice like yeah. post post graduation yeah so you know. Especially like positive, right? Right. Because he was probably going through his dark moment or his dark place. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and you know, and his, you know, after that point, like his, he he had to grow up quick as well. You know, he had to start a family, and he was, you know, doing that for a while. So, yeah. I mean, I can't really think of anybody who really like, like, damn, like I wish to be like them, mm-hmm. um, that were older to me, older than me. But if I look around at my peers, there are plenty of people that like I admire and like aspire to be like in some shape or form Mm -hmm. just because of how they are as people and how like they were able to, you know, kind of put forth their best self at all times. Mm -hmm. You know, a peer of ours that I can think of is like Khalid, Mm -hmm. right? Like he's always like he's always been a bookworm of sorts, right? Yeah. And he's always been like kind of education driven or like, you know, I'm a go and you know do my time with school i really like learning and i'm going to do this and get into a master's program and you know he got all of his college paid for like those are things that i'm like damn that's really cool you know yeah. now and even with that he's still like family oriented 100 percent. yeah mm-hmm. i mean i think that's like the common denominator in most of the people that i have close to me is like they're very family oriented mm-hmm. so therefore our friendships are like like they're like family almost you know mm-hmm. like with my family, I don't need to see them on a daily basis to know that we're good. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to my friend group, you know? Like, I have friends all over the country, all over the world, that I don't see on a daily basis. But, like, anytime we're together, it's like... It's love. Yeah, we didn't miss a beat. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, and it sounds like that's really important, too. And I think coming from... I think a lot of Latin cultures and a lot of Asian cultures are very, like, a collective society. We mm-hmm. all build together. We all, like, make sure we're each of us is good. And, like, if something's wrong, mm-hmm. we try to pick each other up. Um, whether it's whether it's good or bad, we, like, share that with each other. Right. And so I think I feel like that has been a big influence in me is, like, making sure that, like, 
everyone around me is good. Um, but I think, like you said, not always having to speak to someone to mm -hmm. feel that love and to show love. Right. I think that's like really important. Whereas not everybody will feel that way, mm -hmm. but it sounds like you know, you seek out people and you connect with people who have that similar mindset. Right. Yeah. And also I think something that I also don't, or kind of like thinking about it now, it's just like the people that I connect myself with, like they all have to have siblings. <laughs> they all have to have like either the the oldest or towards the oldest to like really understand like kind of like the responsibility it takes to like you know be the oldest and like kind of like the what that means like the expectations that are put upon you you know like as much as like I say like going to school was for me. That was pretty much to, like, uphold the standard in the family. It's like, okay, no one in the family has done this yet. Uh, my mom's like, you need to do this. Because yeah. it's like... Set if the you, tone. If, if, if you set the tone. If you don't do this, what are your siblings going to go after? Mm -hmm. And, like, right now they're going to one of, like, the better schools in the whole state of Oregon. So it's like, for them, it's not like, are you going to school? It's like, what school are you going to? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So, like, you know, they're, like... If I would have had a, as much conversation with my peers in high school about, like, going to school and, like, where I wanted to go or things that I wanted to study, I feel like who knows where I've ended up. They've had this conversation since they were in seventh grade, mm -hmm. you know? Since I was in school and they were watching me go to school, like, yeah. where, like where is my brother going for nine months out of the year? Like, why is he not home? Like, yeah. you know, like, kind of all those questions and, like, them coming to visit me and stuff like that. It's just like, so, you know... Although I didn't have somebody, you know, like readily available to like show me all those things, like mm -hmm. I'm very happy that I'm in a position where I can help them to do yeah. that because it's just like, you know, that's the whole goal, you know, and like, so my my cousin's youngest uh, younger sister, um, you know, it's like because of our relationship and how close I am to him, like she is like she saw me a lot, right? So then she sees me going to school. And she's right now at OSU doing her thing. Yeah. So it's like, it's kind of like this domino effect. It's like, you just need to see one person do it. And then everybody else kind of, you know, follow suit. So my siblings are next in line. Yeah. And that's true. And I'm not like, a am the baby of the family, mm -hmm. but I kind of feel like because like my brothers didn't really have all the privileges I had, I was kind of like the last, mm -hmm. you know, like the last chance because mm -hmm. I am the youngest sibling right. and my parents were not going to have another yeah. kid. Um, so I kind of felt like the pressure to go, um, not that I didn't want to go, right. but like definitely a pressure to succeed and like graduate and then like choose something that would make sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like when I think of like me graduating from college, uh, like undergrad and grad, I was like, I kind of feel like we all graduated as like a, a family because like as a unit, because I'm like, it wasn't just me who made it here. It was like. A contribution of everybody yeah so like i definitely feel that yeah you know like there's definitely some pressures when you come <laughs> from like when you come from an immigrant background because yeah. like no one in my family my mom just told me the other day that like um my dad didn't go to like he went to school until second grade mm -hmm. and then worked for a couple years and then like went back to school i was like what and right. then and then she's like yeah and your dad was like pretty like well off and then he got to like finish school and he like stopped going to school in like eighth grade because you know to, it wasn't like important right and then my mom wasn't as uh she didn't have like she was super poor and so she had to stop school i think like sometime in elementary school but just the thought of that is crazy like 
I was like, my parents had not even consecutive years of school. Right. It's kind of like, you know, when you go, you go. And when you work, you work. I was like, you guys were like seven. Right. <laughs> yeah. So like most people here, it's like, all right, let me go get my undergrad. Then I'll take a break, go work, and I'll go back to grad school. Your dad's like, ah, second grade. I'm going to just step away and uh, take care of the things that I got to do go for watch the this cow, bring right. them to the lake. You know, it, you exactly. Know? And it's just like, like that. that's really what it is. Like, you know, like I think, you know, your family, de- like when you come from an immigrant family, like you depend on other, uh, like you're dependent on one another much more mm-hmm. than, you know, people who aren't. Uh, you know, even right now to this day, like I would say that like, um, I'm, you know, pretty independent, you know, I work for what I have and I do things that I want to do. But like, you know, one of my mom's biggest dreams is like to be a homeowner, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's just like something that she's understood from like the get go. Because like I said, when you when you're from Mexico and you live off the land, it's very easy to get a piece of land to build your own house and mm-hmm. you have somewhere to live. Yeah. That, you know, the, the system here in the United States isn't that, you know, it's not that easy. Mm-hmm. Right. So. So recently, you know, I had to kind of like be a co-signer for her on on this housing loan in order to make sure that we get it Mm -hmm. in order to go find some property to get here, you know, lock myself in for 30 years. Like, you know, (laughs) I'm just like, you know, but it's it's another it's another moment that kind of made me realize it's like if I didn't go to school, if I didn't have kind of like the knowledge and understanding the little knowledge and understanding that I have surrounding like the housing market and like. The procedures of like you know like you have to have employment for x amount of years uh, you have to you know have all these legitimate things that like you know it's like you have to prove where your money's coming from type yeah. thing like you know if i go to mexico and show up with ten thousand dollars us to buy some piece of land they're not going to ask me any questions like here yeah. you go here's your land boom here it doesn't work that way it's like right. we need to make sure that you're not working with the cartel or something yeah. that, like, under the table it, stuff does it, not work exa- or it does not count exactly like there needs to be a paper trail mm-hmm. of all that stuff and so it's just like ugh. you know like here i am again my mid-20s like again my mom's depending on me mm-hmm. it's like this constant thing like you know like after stepping away from um what i was doing with um you know and the family human services world I was like, I want to get out of the city. Mm-hmm. I need to get out. And it's just like going through this process now of like potentially being a homeowner in the next few weeks. It's like, I can't go. <laughs> <laughs> like, again, I am, you know, I am restricted here because I have to support my family. Yeah. And, you know, it's like one of those things where like, again, like I've moved far from like holding any grudges or like, you know, being like, you know, I wish this wasn't the case. It's just like, that's just my role and I think I've accepted it now and like because of it like kind of embrace it a little bit mm-hmm. um, so you're realizing the dream not your dream or my dream it's right. like our dream it's our collective dream and yeah. like what you were saying of like the moment when you graduated and you felt like you all graduated mm-hmm. dude I'm gonna, try, I'm gonna try not to you know get teary or anything but like when when I graduated from UO, it was like the same thing, mm-hmm. and I like I was cool and fine, like seeing my mom, my dad, my siblings, my friends that were there, like it was all just like super cool, right? Mm-hmm. To have everybody there. The moment I laid eyes on my grandpa when he was there, I lost it. Like oh, it was just, gosh, it was just yeah. like, damn, like your decision to leave in like the '60s to come up here and work, like 
that was the beginning of this right mm-hmm. that was the beginning of this journey like mm-hmm. you coming in here seasonally doing all this work and like going back home and contributing like the idea of like you need a good away to get ahead mm-hmm. it's like okay like that was because of him yeah right like he contributed to my mom mm-hmm. and then you know mom and dad contributed to me but like he was the one when we first moved up here so like he like like because when my mom moved to california she was living with my grandpa mm-hmm. he wanted to see us off safe so he came up to portland with us mm-hmm. and so i have very early memories of him like hopping on trimet and like with me just kind of like showing me like hey this is how you get from here to here mm-hmm. right because when i when i told you that i was commuting uh an hour and a half to middle school he's the one that taught me that route yeah so it's like these little contributions it's like my family has supported me all along this way like i have to do the same thing back you know it's kind of like it goes both ways type thing and so like you know later on the the idea of like pay it forward or things like that it's just like i totally understand that Mm -hmm. um and it's something that i try to like teach my siblings because like my younger brother he's 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 very selfish he doesn't acknowledge it yet but like there's certain things that he does that he's like he only takes care of himself type thing yeah Uh, and he's living that like individualistic right culture right right yeah and 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 you know it's kind of like it's tough because it's like you need that to get ahead in this country Mm -hmm. you know if you go to like where he's probably going to end up is like the corporate world right so it's like you need that to get ahead it's like one step ahead of your competition like you know, even though these are my peers, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to help them get to where I want to be, right? So it's like, that mentality is like, you can already tell the difference between my siblings and me because of the education that they've gotten up until this point, right? They went to a private uh, middle school, they went to a private high school, they're probably going to go on to a private college. And it's just like, that's already been built into them. Like, you need to be the best version of yourself and better than the next person, you know? Yeah. And you're also, when you're, like you said, like an older sibling or someone who's, some, you're kind of living out other people's dreams too, you mm-hmm. know? And, mm-hmm. like, it's great doing that, but also there's a burden and there's a responsibility because it seems like you were living out your grandpa's dreams, which worked out really well because, like, also you want that education. Right. But, like, when you said you saw him, like, when you saw him during your graduation, you like teared up because you realized that you were living out your grandpa's dream of like coming to the U.S. and having a better life, and that means like getting your education, mm-hmm. and moving forward, mm-hmm. than just working. Right. And then like then you said like your mom's house, and it's like that's her dream. Right. But which is also like a great thing to have land, but it's right. also like her dream as well. So right. you kind of have like to live out other people's dreams. Yeah. Because they also like sacrificed, and you feel that kind of like burden of that mm-hmm. sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Right. And not saying that any of those things are bad, right. but it's just the reality of, you know, what right. it is. And it's kind of just like being patient. It's like, you know, like my time will come type thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I think that's another reason why I probably like held off on like, you know, like starting a family or anything. Because like, you know, I've seen how tough it is to be a parent or a family, like a parent at 17. Mm-hmm. Like the things like my, like if, if, if Jefferson High School did not have like a daycare for where I can go for when my mom was in class like Mm -hmm. who knows what where we would be right now you know it's just like thanks again to the resources that like were able to support us along the way it's like 
it's like another thing that kind of like I need to help out as much as I can. So like like you said, yeah, like my my grandpa's dreams got taken care of. We're in the process of making sure my mom's get taken care of, and like after that, then it's like okay, like I can focus on me and do what I want to do and how I want to do it, mm-hmm. you know. And then you know at that point, hopefully my siblings are graduating from you know a university and they go into the field that they want to actually do right off the bat without yeah. any like kind of like. Oh, like any uncertainty, really. Because that's like my biggest thing. Like, I went into college blind, you know? Like, I didn't even know I was, like, I didn't even know I was going to go to school, right? Yeah. So it's just like, yeah. So, like, for them, I just like, but like, I don't know, sorry, kind of getting caught up, but everyone will have their moment, right? Mm-hmm. So, just kind of looking forward to that. Yeah, because now you can, instead of just kind of half focusing on your dream or like doing it part time or, mm-hmm doing it in chunks like now you can really focus on that wholeheartedly too you know Mm -hmm. and like not feel too much burden from like other family members to be able to accomplish you can focus on it now like whereas before like you said you were you were also trying to navigate life yeah yeah no definitely college is a whole nother navigation but then also like you have people that you have to be responsible for, mm-hmm. but then also, like, this new world that you're in. Right. So. No, yeah, I'd, I'd li- like to say that, like, for me, my biggest culture shocks were, came in middle school and in, like, my time at U of O. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, coming from Portland, which is, you know, obviously the widest city in America, like, I'm used to seeing, like, white people everywhere, like, but, like, I feel like when you're when you come from communities of color, you know where to go to find other people of color. Mm-hmm. So like, even though I lived, I grew up in the widest city in America. Like, it didn't feel like it because I was in pockets of the city that like, yeah, I was with people that looked like me, dressed like yeah. me, were into the same things. Even me. our high school, remember they had those signs of the demographics, and it was like thirty percent Latino, thirty percent Asian, thirty percent black. It's mm-hmm. like, well, that only leaves ten percent for right. the other uh, right. that didn't identify with those three pockets. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think about that a lot because when people tell me Portland's the whitest city yeah. in the U.S., I'm like, what? Yeah. But I know now. But before, I was like, there is no way. There's but. no way. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Our our high school was one of the most diverse high schools in the whole city because we didn't have a feeder school, right? Mm-hmm. None of the middle schools fed into into Benson. So Benson, it was like, if anybody wants to come here, you can come here. So you had people from all over the city flocking for whether it was their health occupations program, whether it was construction, automotive, you know, communications, all that cool stuff, like that stuff that like looking at it now, you could have started your own business out of high school based on the things that you learned at Benson, right? Right. But like if nobody's there teaching you that, like I don't know how we don't have a business school tied into all of the things that we were learning at Benson because right. that would I feel like would really benefit them um, looking back now. There should definitely uh, be life skills class also in high school. Yeah. But they're closing Benson down, so it's another. Yeah. Um, well, they're always trying to close us down, but, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll be back. <laughs> the way I see it. I mean, what? Our senior year? We, I mean, I think we marched twice during our time. At, yeah. At, yeah. That's the only reason Benson. why I knew the demographics, because yeah. we had that sign that yeah. like, talked about how diverse we are. And yeah, I was like, oh, sure. shit. I didn't know. Yeah. And there was another sign that we had, like, a graduation rate of, like, 80-something percent mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that. And I was like, also didn't know that. Yeah. But, but it was also crazy, because I remember freshman year, the PE teacher, Miss McClellan, was like, look to your left, look to your right. Mm-hmm. One of you guys aren't going to graduate. Right. And, and she yeah. wasn't wrong, but also right. I was like, 
<laughs> no, well, at the time, you think, like, this lady's insane. Like, yeah. what is, like, what does she mean? Yeah, why wouldn't we graduate? Right, right, and, you know, she just playing the numbers. Yeah. That's all it was. It's like, if we look at, you know, the, like, the likelihood of, you know, these people of color graduating, because, right, predominantly our school was people of color. It's like, who's going to make it out? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, like you said, 80%. Like, yeah, just a numbers game at that point, which is nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, our freshman class was probably like 400-something, mm-hmm. and our graduating class was 250. Right. So along the way, people have left and, yeah. like, or switched to mm-hmm. another school or dropped out, you mm-hmm. know. So I think that it's, yeah, I don't know where I was getting with this, but definitely you were talking about the whitest city and, like, oh, culture shock going to U of O. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, So Yeah, so the culture shock... Um, very similar in middle school as it was uh, at a at the university. I think more so in the university, but like I remember, like so, all in elementary school. Like I was at the, the school doesn't even exist anymore, but I went to John Ball Elementary, uh, which is here in North Portland, and like all of my friends were either like black or Hispanic, Asian, like legit. Um, and so for five six years this was my community this were people like my teachers were of color like people looked like me like people were speaking in spanish like i had that for six years mm-hmm. and to get like pulled up pulled like out of that and dropped into like inner southeast portland uh where like i was one like you know that you knew all the kids of color because they were so scarce <laughs> like there wasn't that many of us there yeah. you know i was like damn like you know uh so it was just like that was like whoa you know yeah. like my teachers don't look like me mm-hmm. and I it was just like such a weird place because I was so far away from home mm-hmm. like literally figuratively like I was so far away yeah. from home that like it just wasn't comfortable and so like those three years were probably the years like that I acted out the most because I was so far away from home mm-hmm. like like it was kind of like yeah so i took this role of like the class clown and kind of like did everything to like make people like me like or dislike me like <laughs> middle school was the only time i've ever gotten in a fight you know it was just like things that just like i don't know like it like those three years were very much like me kind of acting out and like you know at school but like being smart enough to like cover it up mm-hmm and coming back home and like again taking care of my siblings and doing all the other stuff like it was just like such a time of like chaos yeah you know like a lot of things were changing up in your life 100 percent right and so like and so i think eighth grade when i had to do my registration for high school i kind of acknowledged that and i was like i can't go to what cleveland high school right i was like i can't go there Mm -hmm. because all the kids that i went to middle school with like they're gonna be there and like i mean it was kind of like being honest with myself at a very young age it's like you're gonna go and do this for another four years mm-hmm. it's like fuck that yeah. like i want to i want a new start yo so. we would have been in the same <laughs> high school too because my middle school was yeah. supposed to go yeah. to cleveland so we would have been in the same high school anyways, right but. so then so i switch right as you know go to benson and my mom would have loved if i went to lincoln which is like downtown portland but uh <laughs> They, they didn't have the lottery that year, so that did, didn't end up happening. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up at Benson, and, like, it was kind of like no one. I maybe knew two or three people, mm-hmm. and that was about it. And, like, I didn't know they were going there until the first day of school. Yeah. And so, anyway, so it was just, like, it was cool because it was just, like, it was a reset. 
my grades like improved i think my freshman year like i was still messing around with like english and stuff so i got mm-hmm. a d that year but like by my senior year i was in ap english so yeah. it's like my kind of mentality towards school changed too yeah and like like my second year like at the time i started dating this girl who like had a gpa higher than mine and that had never happened before and again coming like being that young coming from a culture with like you know machismo and stuff like that it's like whoa like <laughs> how can a girl be smarter than me like how, how naive and ignorant i was but it was just like it just like my competitiveness got turned on mm-hmm. and then it was like phew, yeah you know um but yeah but then so four years great four years love my yeah. time at benson it was great that's crazy how like seeing people that you can relate to really promotes your mm-hmm. success. Because I was thinking also when you were saying about like you choosing to want to go to Benson and not yeah. staying where you were. Yeah. Like my middle school was so my elementary school was majority white, mm. and like there was only one other Chinese girl. We get mistaken with each other mm-hmm. all the time. She was not just the only other Chinese girl; she was the only other Asian girl. Okay. And so like, but also the other kids were. So the community was also very poor. So it was a very lower class elementary school where everyone was blue collar, everyone was working class, even if they were white. They were all working class. Then we went to the middle school and we were the poorest feeder school Mm -hmm. that would go into that middle school. So I got to see like these people with different tax brackets, completely different, different level of responsibilities and perspectives. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, I, I kind of hate this. Because no one really understands me. So I actually kind of stopped caring about school, like you said. Mm -hmm. Like, I was like, what's the point? And then I would, like, act out. um, Not in the same ways that most boys act out, but I would do kind of more quiet things to act out. Like, just, um, I don't know. It was just like, I didn't really care about Mm -hmm. anything. I was chatting a lot. I wasn't focused. And then I decided to go to Benson. Um, I don't even know what was the reason or, like, what happened. Somebody had convinced me to go somebody on myspace i was chatting with i don't shout even know. out MySpace. <laughs> myspace top eight because i was like meeting people from different middle schools yeah. and i was like oh like mine as well go to benson and kind of like like you said clean slate yeah and then like like i started caring about school more because mm-hmm. i saw other people being more competitive yeah and I was like, nah, like you can't be right. You can't right. get a higher right. grade than me. Right. Like, and so then we, I started getting more competitive and I do think that that is super relatable. Yeah. No, it, it, it was very interesting because I mean, I'm sure it goes with like every other high school, but like, it wasn't just like competition with grades. It was like, so like at my middle school, like, like, you know, again, coming from a community of color, coming from just like, you know, what we now call the culture or whatever, um, going to a place where there wasn't that, dude, I got so much praise for like the simplest things. <laughs> and it was just like, you know, like my clothes were color coordinated. Like I just dressed a certain way mm-hmm. versus kids, 11 year olds coming from that community. They didn't care because their mom bought them everything. And it was like, whatever. It's like, no, like you have to present yourself a certain way. Mm-hmm. So like for three years, it was kind of like, you know, this, I don't know how you want to call it. Like I was kind of like the top of that, right? Mm-hmm. At the middle school I was at. Coming to to Benton, it's like, it was like. Average. <laughs> you know, like for real. It was just kind of like, whoa, like people know how to dress here. Like it was competitive in all facets. Mm-hmm. It was competitive in like the, the athletes I was around. Because like I was at a school where, you know, there 
again, that's kind of where I started running. Mm-hmm. I was at a school where there wasn't a lot of good runners. So then I went to a school that not only had, you know, people that were competitive with their school, they cared about how what they looked like. They were super athletes. I mean, you think of people like we have a history of producing like some some great athletes at our at our high school, and so it was just kind of like being around that. It was like super cool. And I was like, and everyone's from all over the city. Everyone comes from different places. Like, yeah, I don't know. I feel really great to be like a Benson alum for sure. Shout out Benson, because <laughs> I like I feel like I had a great four years of experience, and I feel like. Benson was super therapeutic to me. Mm-hmm. And then going to Uvo, and then, like you said, that culture shock. The first year of Uvo was probably the hardest year yeah. um, ever navigating a space. Yeah. Like, I didn't know. I was like, why am I here? Like, why am I paying money to mm-hmm. be here with these people mm-hmm. I don't relate to? And I'm away from home, and my parents right. are, like, helping me out. Right. Like, literally, like, you know, like, pulling all the money they can to, like, help me go to this school right. where I'm like, yo, what is this? Mm-hmm. Like, and people didn't care about things that I cared about and so I was like what am I doing here so I think getting through that first year was super challenging but then Mm -hmm. beyond that I found people that were Mm like-minded and supportive I feel like you were really supportive in my year like first year and then like we continue to support each other yeah Yeah. no definitely uh yeah the the culture shock going to to you about and like I said like going back to I mean so we went on this tangent, but like going back to we like, might have to cut some of that out. <laughs> it's, it's like a bit like going back to like you know coming from the whitest city in America to going to Eugene, Oregon, to you know Yovo, which is a campus. You know, I'm like the first day. I'm like, oh, like I've seen this before, but I was like, no, the people, the, the, the people aren't all from here. Mm-hmm. And I think I was very naive of that. It's just like people in Portland, people in Oregon, are generally pretty nice. You know, like you know, I have family members that come up from Cali all the time and they're like, yo, why is this person like being nice? It's kind of like, what's their agenda? Mm. We're just at the grocery store. Why does she want me to have a good day? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like okay. bro, that's just how it is over here. Like people are just genuinely nice that mm-hmm. come from, from up here. And so going to like to U of O where like people were coming up from all over the place and it was just like, it was just overwhelming. Yeah. I'm like, you know, the similar questions that you have is like, why am I here? Why am I going through this shit? Like, why am I... Like, you know, like you feel it was probably the first time in, the, uh, in my life that I felt so small. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, like, I don't like this feeling at all. Like having to like, I don't know, just like, I feel like the number of fake conversations that you have in college is fucking unreal. Like, and it's like in the genuine connections that you do make, it's just, just like, fuck, you just want to cling on to them for dear life because like everything else is just like. They're so minimal. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like even to like, you know, like what classes are you taking or like the people that you meet the first day, it's like, hey, what's up? Like, can I sit here type thing? You're cool with somebody for like 10 weeks and then they fucking disappear. Yeah. You know, it's like so. Yeah. And like for me, like I've like grown up, I've always kind of like just kind of like a personal thing for me, like. I like genuine connection, right? Mm-hmm. And I like something that's going to last for a long time. Like, if it's not going to, like, I don't even address it. Like, it's not going to, like, take up any time of my day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not a surprise that after college, there's not very many friendships that I have from college. Mm-hmm. Just because I was getting in there, getting out, and then coming back home. Like, I was still working in Portland when I was out in U of O. Mm-hmm. Like, 
that's how much I didn't want to be there. Yeah. Like, I had on-campus jobs, and I was working on the weekends in Portland. So every weekend, I'm driving back. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, like, because I just didn't like being there. Yeah. Because you kind of have to, like, find a piece of home, almost, too. Because... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Personally, I felt like going to U of O, I realized, like you said, feeling so small. And I felt like I was like 10 steps back. Yeah. I didn't even know I needed to sign up for these things. I didn't even know I needed to check this. Like, I remember Mm. the first day of class, I went to all the wrong classes because I looked at their office hours. So I went to their office hours building. So I was at the wrong class every single time. Mm -hmm. I'd be like in the middle of a class with like 150 people. I was in the wrong class. I was like, this is not what I'm taking. I'm not taking Psych 202. I'm trying to be in English. Right. Like right now, Mm -hmm. I shouldn't even be here. And Mm -hmm. so I'd like have to get up out of the class after like 10 minutes. After they found me a seat at the class, I went to another room where they literally like I had to maneuver through the classroom because there was like another 300 people in there. There was like one open seat. So just like feeling all those like things and then also the ingenuine yeah, uh, like people, you definitely feel that. Not everyone has your best intentions for them, uh, like for you. Like they're just kind of like there to have a good time for sometimes or they're just kind of using you to uh, go somewhere or do something, but not really really trying to get to know you or really who you are. Yeah, for sure, because it's like other people, it's just like they are, it's just like a... It's just like a vacation, you know, mm-hmm. like depending on where, like who their parents are. and where Or it's they... just a part of their process. Yeah. And this is yeah. just one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And so <laughs> like, you know, they, they got things lined up before they even go. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you just need to complete this so you can get this job. Yeah. You know, um, but also like what you were saying about like people not having your best intentions, I think even more so like as a woman and a woman of color on a university campus, like there's mm-hmm. so much shit that happens. Like, I don't know. I think just like the whole like just like rape culture and stuff like that it's just like it's unreal that like here are supposed you know very educated kids right that go to the university and do all this stuff but like that's like so far from that because I feel like there's so many kids that just like go to school and like you know whether it's like their generational trauma or like how they witness their parents and their relationships or even like exposure to like substances like how that plays into like they're kind of accepting of like that culture Mm -hmm. it's like oh like you know both parties but like it's just like such a handicap to be like oh yeah like i got fucked up and like this happened and blah 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 and it's just like i think that was kind of like the craziest thing for me i'm just like bro what like that's just like a normal thing like every every weekend it would just happen every every time you know like there would be those stories of just like yeah, yeah, in college, there was like, definitely that normalization of either something happening to you when you're drunk, mm-hmm. and, but it was also, like, what, I don't want to use the word, like, sexualized, but praise for you to mm-hmm. go out and get fucked up. Like, right. there was definitely that, like, you're not going out, you're not getting drunk, you're not binge drinking, like, right, right. why not? Like, why would you not do yeah, that? And yeah. you were super, like, not even just uncool because everybody did it. It wasn't right. like the cool kids that did it. It was like everybody. Everyone did it. Yeah. No, definitely. And for for I mean for me like I come I come from a like a household that like, you know, my whether he likes to admit it or not, like my dad suffers from alcohol abuse. Like mm-hmm. that's just what it is. Yeah. And it's also like, you know, another thing that's come like intertwined the same way catholicism is intertwined into like uh latino culture as the same way alcohol drinking is mm-hmm. um like it like expands like 
all the songs that you hear that like popular songs that come out uh, of like our culture have to do over some heartbreak and you know you at a bar drinking (laughs) you know that's just what it is so it's like it's very hard to like acknowledge that there's an issue Mm -hmm. um but because i was exposed to it at such a young age like it was kind of it was normalized kind of whatever so i didn't think anything about it like you know again not to draw praise to it or to like boast and be like oh yeah you know like i've been around alcohol forever but like alcohol and like weed and just like shit like that like that just is in the community i grew up with so it's not crazy outlandish but then you have you come here to a place where these kids have been sheltered forever like literally forever up until they graduate like it's cool to and then drink they and they drink for the first time smoke for the first time and they go nuts mm-hmm. and it's just like dude i saw this kid who like literally didn't had not smoked once before um going you know going into his freshman year and he was like in my hall uh come back from winter break and he's just like this big time dealer stoner dealer he had gone home all of winter break and like studied all these strains like put a science to this shit like had a notebook of everything he smoked like how he felt like literally was doing like a fucking like science project on like smoking weed and then like you know by spring term he's like one of the hottest like fucking dope dealers on campus i'm like what the fuck like i literally smoked your first joint with you and like here you are yeah like, like turning that. this pastime into a fucking business and i'm like capitalizing you know i'm just like bro and so it's just like it just kind of showed me like people have different mentalities and literally you know like gives you a whole new perspective on things yeah um so i guess like to to end the podcast like would you say like what was the most what would you say that growing up with immigrant parents like has shown you compared to like just the uh bigger societal like what the norm is like what would you say you've learned a lot what was like the one thing you learned growing up from immigrant parents that you don't think you would have gotten if your parents were from here and like already had this american culture uh i think empathy is probably like the number one thing that comes to mind mm-hmm. um just like understanding that there's a world outside of here right understanding that like people grow up differently than you and like even people that like are disrespectful towards us it's like we understand that like that is probably not you but the way you were raised so it's like all these things that we don't take a lot of things personal Mm -hmm. um and even when we do it's kind of like you're the bigger person and kind of step away type thing even though we shouldn't have to step away yeah but like it's just kind of one of those things where like that's like very much ingrained in you yeah and and also it's tough because like say there is a moment where we're disrespected and you know we want to take matter into our own hands giving the country that we live in who's probably going to be you know put to blame or who's going to who are they going to put their finger at right so it's like kind of like understanding that you know even though you live in this country like even though you were raised here even though you had the education here whatever like things are still stacked up against you mm-hmm. and you have your hand tied, you know, for like, and maybe there's a time and the place to address it. Right. But you know that there might be big, there's bigger consequences for you if you take action than someone who is white. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's kind of like, you have to 
you have to know the rules of the game, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and I think that's what part of us going to school is for. Scotty, code switching. Yeah, like, it, there's it, a lot it, of code switching. One hundred percent. There's so much code switching, right? If you look at like how you speak in a place of work, right? How you speak with your friends, how you speak with your families, how you speak with like people that have similar interests as you, right? Because not all your friends have similar interests as you, right? So it's like you're a part of vast number of communities but like you know when you come from immigrant parents i think it's easier for you to code switch because one you probably have two languages right off the back mm-hmm. right you have two different experiences when you're talking about like your experience their experience and if you have the awesome opportunity to ever travel with your parents and go back to the places they're from like that in itself like you you know you you are living an experience that other people don't really get and so like yeah yeah like really understanding your culture Mm -hmm. because i do feel like i have a way deeper understanding of my culture compared Mm -hmm. to like most people yeah even growing up i remember they were like oh i think i'm part this part that and a Mm -hmm. little mix of that but i don't really know what that means right well i'm like i wouldn't i don't know if it's just because i'm just chinese or my parents are immigrants Mm -hmm. or they like teach me the the like they talk about their past and their history and mm-hmm. like everything this that and um but I feel like I have such a deep understanding mm-hmm. of where my parents are from and like the culture mm-hmm. and the history that I know myself very well the foods like all of it you know even mm-hmm. the way you speak or like their mindset mm-hmm. I have like a very clear understanding of that perspective mm-hmm. whereas i think that that's something that gets kind of lost mm-hmm. with most people being from the u.s you kind of like adapt to the u.s culture and then like and that's that yeah yeah oh yeah that's one of the things that like i feel i'm very thankful that my mom decided to move up here when she did because there was like I, I don't know if this happens in Chinese culture, but, like, so, you know, where I live and my reality here in Portland is much different than the reality for most Latino um, people that come from Mexico that live in Southern California, right? The The landscape is different. You're so close to Mexico. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure the amount of discrimination that one faces there is much higher than I would ever face here in Portland. Um and but one of the things that like I it's always irked me and continues to irk me to this day is when like kids are ashamed to like speak their language like Mm. their native tongue right yeah and it's like well you know we're not in Mexico anymore so I'm not gonna speak Spanish and blah, blah 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 and I'm just like you know it like irked me when I was younger just because it irked me because I'm just like you know you, you like it's almost like they're they feel like they're higher than yeah you know and looking and, down upon yeah and looking down upon those who still speak it and mm-hmm. I'm just like I'm baffled at, at a younger age but now that I'm older I'm just like it's so frustrating because it's like that's like the beginning of like assimilation right it's like you lose your mother tongue you don't you can't connect with that culture therefore things get forgotten so it's like when you have kids they're not going to carry that on mm-hmm. so it's like it's kind of like a way of washing our story away you know and it's so like now that i'm older it's like like it's a super personal thing and it's just like you know i'm like my siblings like my, my sister more so than my brother my brother took a little bit longer to learn to really be comfortable with it um but my sister's been on it 
and again like as much as me and her bicker like i'm super grateful that she like understands how important our language is to like continue our culture because it's like when we go visit our our family in mexico it's like we're getting information from our elders that we wouldn't otherwise get about like their experiences what they were able to do or kind of like you know whatever words of wisdom they have for us it's like we kind of it we have a deeper connection with that versus when you go and visit and you're kind of just like just standing there because like you know i've gone to places where i don't know the language yeah and so like you know shout out to a really close friend of ours uh yoshi who's uh he was again a product of benson who mm-hmm. like came international exchange student mm-hmm. and i've gone there and you know hung out with his family and stuff and it's just like they like some of them speak english so we're able to communicate but like in instances where they're just you know speaking japanese and i don't understand it's just kind of like you're just kind of there and so it's like if i was in a similar situation but like where my parents come from like dang i could i would be i would be sick because it's just like i don't know what's being said like this is stuff you're losing out on stories you're losing out on information yeah 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 yeah. so it's just like ah but yeah and i think that topic is like separately on its own because that's like some oppressive culture systemic thing that like Mm -hmm. you're supposed to love the the american white culture more than whatever you have and then it's kind of like you feel ashamed about Mm -hmm. that culture because i would say like in the asian community there's a lot of like I see, like, a lot of first-generation or second-generation people kind of, like, wanting to, like, drop mm-hmm. their Asian culture. Like, oh, it's not cool yeah. to be Asian. Or, like, oh, if you are if you look... Like, looking fob is, like, looked down upon. You mm-hmm. know, like... Or, like, speaking with an accent, looked down upon. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not cool. Right. And, like, even within the culture, we'll, like, say stuff like that with, like, with people who speak proficient english mm-hmm. like there's that like whole like you don't want to be fob you don't want to look fob you like you know like all those different things but it's like why not mm-hmm. like what is so not great about being from another country and moving here like that is like on its own like super brave and like you're coming to a different country not knowing what you're doing like that is like really brave i don't think i could do that mm-hmm. so like but we never accentuate those things about the like people who immigrated here and i don't think we do that enough because we're always like oh they're they're this other like oh they're making us look bad or like Mm -hmm. oh you know Mm -hmm. and i think that is something that we need to like reevaluate. yeah um and i think within i don't know if that happens in the latin community but Mm -hmm. like i would say in asian culture that happens a lot Mm -hmm. and um and because even in high school, I find my myself saying, like, oh, that's so Asian. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, but why is that right. bad? You right. know, like, why am I looking down on this so... Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying so Asian in a good way. Yeah. And, like, I have to be really honest with myself when I said that. And yeah. my brother called me out. And he was like, what's wrong with being, like, so Asian? Yeah. And when he said that, I was like, fuck. Yeah. I've been, like... There was, like... I felt like I was, like, complacent in this whole, like... Mm-hmm me assimilating but in a negative way i think you can assimilate and still yeah you know like fucking rock with your culture yeah but like i was like oh this is not where i want to go like i don't want to look down Uh on like my own culture Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. i i mean i'm sure i'm sure it happens but again like given the landscape of where i live it's not as predominant like i said if i grew up in southern california that's completely different playing field Mm -hmm. and 
you would see that more than than here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the so I, I think it's not so much looked down upon. I think it's just like that. It's almost like they they get forgotten just because you're so wrapped up in like chasing your own dreams and aspirations that like it's it's very hard to just like stop for a moment and realize that there's you know other people from your culture and a struggle that might be a little bit you know harder than yours Mm -hmm. but you're I mean you have your own life so you're caught up with that and trying to be successful for you like in my case right to be to support my family more but that's no different than other people trying to support their families but like because they're not in my immediate vicinity, it's you kind of lose track of that. Mm-hmm. You know, like immigrants built this country, right? Yeah. You, we have a long history of, you know, immigrants coming here to work to make get the shit done. You know, look at the to have the, what the, we the, have today. The railways, right? Like mm-hmm. who came? You know, we look at the Chinese, your Chinese, you know, yeah, ancestors and stuff like that. Like these are people that came in and like. You look at agriculture, right? Who who's still in it, right? Yeah, yeah like right. you know, you look a lot of people from Latin American countries that come here and do that work, mm-hmm. that pick all the food that you eat, you know, and it's, so it's like they're very much intertwined and in like a very strong fabric of this country, but they're often forgotten because they're not in your immediate everyday Popular culture. Right? Yeah. They're like in the dark, right? Mm-hmm. You you see all the groceries at the store, but you don't see what goes on to get those groceries there right mm-hmm. um so so yeah i went like i myself i mean and i'm sure there's instances where i do say things like where it's like maybe speaking down upon them but it's like also realizing that like that comes from a place of being privileged and being educated because mm-hmm. as much as like we are oppressed as a people of color systemically those of us that were able to get a higher education or have experiences or just know and are knowledgeable of things like that that puts us at a place of privilege mm-hmm. whether we like to think of it or not yeah like it's like we're at a different stage than those that didn't yeah. so like that's always tough to wrap your head around too because it's like you don't want to feel like you have yeah it's like you don't want to feel like it but it's like in some areas you are right yeah. even you have, do have to recognize it you know like right. and i had to recognize that mm-hmm. i'm like, and I'm trying to recognize all my privileges mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, like, figuring out how I can be supportive and mm-hmm. be, a, like, a like a supporter and a companion and, like, right. someone who's really advocating for those who didn't get that privilege because, like, I have privilege in my education. Mm-hmm. I have privilege in the amount of English I speak. Right. Um, the way I look. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, some, there's privilege in that. Right. And, like, and so I have to recognize that and not, and not try to deny that Mm because i think the issue is that sometimes people try to deny these privileges and i'm still getting to know my privileges and what i can do to support but i think the problem is is when you deny that you have Mm -hmm. these privileges and you're so firm on like i got here with my own two feet with like me working hard Mm -hmm. like no you didn't you yes you did but also not all the way right like you know certain things have to fall like all the cards have to fall you know in the Mm -hmm. right places for things to happen um so yeah yeah cool anything else i think that's it cool good stuff we're chatting for a minute yeah um so yeah that's all for the podcast thanks for joining for the podcast speaking and the conversations we had yeah thanks for having me on of course it was a great it was a great time with maywoo always a good time (laughs) continue recording